0: Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's Talking Africa program. Talking Africa provides in-depth interviews with experts and other actors in the field of peace and security in Africa.
1: Hello and welcome to Talking Africa. I am Desmond Davis. My guest today is Gladwell Otieno, the founder and executive director of the Africa Center for Open Governance in Kenya. Uh, Tell us a bit about your organization, Gladwell.
2: Well, um, AFRICOG is what we call it for short. And uh, we work on issues of governance and anti-corruption. And we've been around for almost 10 years now. And uh, over the years, our work has evolved uh, to also include issues of transitional justice and uh, criminal accountability. Uh, this arose out of the uh, uh, 2008 post-election violence uh, where AfriCog became part of a coalition of organisations and individuals who were concerned about the violence and finding a solution to it, and that, uh, we, uh, and we ended up calling ourselves Kenyans for Peace with Truth and Justice (KPTJ), which works on issues of elections and uh, and uh, accountability for political violence.
1: So, the issue of anti-corruption and transitional
2: justice are actually concentrated on uh,
1: Kenya, is it Pan-African wide?
2: Well, we are uh, largely um, a Kenyan organization. Our ambition originally was to work more widely in the region, Um, but the work that we've done regionally has been largely um, sort of focused through the prism of the situation in Kenya, so we've worked at the regional level on uh, On issues of uh, you know the transitional justice and accountability, and uh, we 've worked towards the African Union the African uh, court and also the the ICC in in The Hague um so so issues uh, of corruption have we've also worked we also work internationally around promoting the united nations convention against corruption so our our ambition is to be regional but largely right now it's uh, kenyan issues and refracted through the prism of either regional institutions or international institutions as they become relevant so how does
1: the government view uh, your organization the government of kenya
2: well uh the current government in Kenya came to power on a platform of, um, of rejecting accountability uh, for, for political violence. Um, the two protagonists, the, deputy, the president and the deputy president, were accused at the ICC, and uh, they very deftly managed to set up a political coalition, bringing together two formerly warring groups, and um, basically made an elite pact, which they sort of sold as a reconciliation uh, between the two groups, which it actually wasn't. It was an elite pact to capture power and uh, avoid accountability. And given the stance of civil society in support of accountability and justice uh, uh, for the crimes committed in 2008 in Kenya, this put... uh, our organization and our uh, our brother and sister organizations on a course which was uh, set for a head-on collision. Mm-hmm. So the government is extremely hostile mm-hmm. towards uh, AfriCog and towards other uh, towards the other organizations who are, uh, you know, um, united in the Kenyans for Peace with Truth and Justice coalition.
1: Yes, but the International Criminal Court itself has more or less uh, cleared that the two. Uh People, President Kenyatta and uh, William Ruto, so I mean, why do you think that happened? Well, because I mean the way mm-hmm. you're saying is as if they were more or less guilty so,
2: well let's let's be precise they uh, have uh, every right to a fair tra- they had every right to a fair trial and to be considered innocent until they were they were proven guilty. The C- international Criminal Court did not clear. Um, the two uh, on on the charges, what they did was to drop the charges for the time being, um, given the very extensive uh, Obstruction of justice, which characterized the cases, the prosecutor uh, said when she made the decision to drop charges first against uh, Uhuru Kenyatta and then against William Ruto, that there had been such extensive uh, obstruction of justice, such extensive tampering with witnesses endangering of witnesses. Um, and, and lack of cooperation by the Kenyan government that it was impossible to conduct an investigation which would bring a, bring about a case which had a chance of success. So they have by no means been cleared of the charges. Um, the, the court has chosen to, to drop the charges <coughs> against the two.
1: Yeah, well, that's one of the problems of the International Criminal Court. It doesn't have the power to, to investigate. It doesn't have the resources or the manpower. So, I mean, uh, it will always have come across these, uh, these these obstructions.
2: Yes, definitely. That's um, something in the design of the court. There's no international police which is going to come into a country, a sovereign country, and arrest suspects and conduct investigations. Investigations are obviously limited by resources. They're limited also by the practices and procedures of the court, which, which tend to restrict... Um, you know in you know the investigator's capacity because of the concerns around security so there's a range of technical and political problems but the largest problem is that um uh, The court is completely dependent on state cooperation. Now, one would assume that when a state signs an international agreement that it has every intention of adhering to it, but unfortunately that's not something that we can assume. Indeed, in this case, um, the Kenyan government has been officially cited uh, for lack of cooperation to the Assembly of States parties. There
1: must must be some good news for NGOs like yours with the uh, South African government deciding to withdraw its notice to leave the ICC.
2: Yes, um, that's certainly uh, good news. I mean, I wasn't... uh, I must say I was relatively sanguine about uh, the situation of the South African government because we know that... The courts are still strong, and the commitment of the courts to upholding the Constitution and to upholding South Africa's international obligations is still strong. So I was relatively optimistic, and that's been borne out by by events. Of course, we don't know um, whether the government, the South African government, will continue to pursue Mm -hmm. these ambitions for um, exiting the uh, in International Criminal Court by pursuing the decision in Parliament where they have a majority. Um, but uh, I think we have to differentiate when we look at the issue of the ICC in Africa between rhetoric and reality, between PR and, and, and really what's, uh, what's happening. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that the, those who have spoken the loudest, who are the most strident, are the opponents of the court. And they're the opponents for the, of the court, not for the reasons that they claim, you know, in terms of defense of sovereignty and anti-imperialism, etc. But because they are banding together to protect themselves against accountability for mass atrocities against their own people. But conversely, the people who defend and support the court have been relatively quiet. But that, uh, that, you know, since the relationship between the court and the country is is an individual relationship, it's based on an individual agreement and an individual decision to adhere to the court, they haven't had to make as much noise. They simply have, uh, you know... you know not uh, not joined in this sort of mass withdrawal yeah well uh, which that's, was touted well, well, well that 's because uh,
1: the office of the prosecutor itself has been operating on a trial and error basis because there have been so many mistakes that the office itself has admitted that they have not been getting things right.
2: well certainly the the current prosecutor had a lot of cleaning up to do as far as um, you know trying to strengthen the 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 investigations trying to strengthen the evidence um, when when she came in uh, following the the first prosecutor who had commenced for example the Kenyan cases mm. so the court has not always covered itself in glory it certainly has not had the resources that it needs and it has not understood the situation in our countries in the way that it should have so in our communications with the first prosecutor we were very clear that um, the Kenyan um, situation is a different one you're dealing with a much more capable government uh, than 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 in perhaps in other countries where there was you know widespread conflict uh, and in the region and they were much more open to to you know international interventions kenya the kenyan elite is has been extremely successful at keeping itself in power it understands it has understood very well how to work the levers of of international politics particularly you know the the you know the justified resentment of many africans against uh, Western imperialism and, and, and uh, interventions and domination.
1: Yeah, well, that's a good point you've made mm. about the, uh, the Kenyan elite
2: mm.
1: managing to stay in power. So why then do we have uh, electoral violence in the country when ordinary Kenyans should realize that these people are not working in their interest and they are the ones who are the foot soldiers who cause all the problems? Yeah. This, they're the ones who die, not the elite. Yes,
2: this is the perennial question. Why do the oppressed not understand <laughs> that they are actually acting in the interests of the oppressors who yes. are benefiting from their, from their oppression? Um, there are many ideologies used to justify that. And in in the Kenyan case, uh, tribalism has always, I, I'll use the word, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. tribalism. Sometimes we say negative ethnicity. Yeah. Uh, in order to avoid that sort of colonial vocabulary of tribalism, but that has been a very very efficient mechanism for mobilizing mass support mobilizing votes and and um, and you know uh, gaining power on the basis of appeals to to tribal solidarity. Uh, this was much more so, even though it 's a very potent um, organizing principle. It it was much more so before the new constitution of 2010 which introduced the concept, which introduced devolution and devolved power and resources, mandated resources to the counties. Before that um, it was a much more do or die struggle. Uh, You had to get to state house so that your people would have a share of the so-called national cake. So uh, the elite has understood how to set people against each other and, and uh, manipulate their way into into power by doing that by conducting politics on a, on a, on the basis of ethnic arithmetic.
1: So, what are your fears then for the, uh, the upcoming elections in August?
2: My fears for the upcoming elections are that after ten years, when we had the most uh, you know intense violence uh, in the country following the 2007 elections, in, in 2008, the, the violence that led to um, the intervention by uh, the African Union, backed by the international community, backed by domestic uh, Kenyan voices, uh, a huge effort was made to, to reform and to rebuild institutions and to rebuild trust in institutions uh, where there had been no trust. And the fact that there was no trust in institutions such as the judiciary as an impartial arbiter, such as the security forces, uh, such as the electoral management body, that meant that uh, the only recourse was violence in the absence of trust. Uh, After all the work and investment that that has been made for um, the last uh, 10 years, including passing a new constitution... We find ourselves once again face to face with a situation where there is no trust in the credibility and impartiality of important institutions, and there doesn 't seem to be a an independent mediating force or power where everyone which everyone would uh, believe uh, is fair so uh, where uh, you know the court the Supreme Court through its decision on the two thousand and thirteen elections. Uh, lost uh, a lot of uh, trust. It lost the trust of that half of the country, which basically, quote-unquote, lost the elections. And the, and the problem is not losing the election. The problem is believing that you lost fairly uh, and, and, and that the decision was credible. So the Supreme Court lost confidence. The electoral management body, which had been uh, thoroughly rebuilt anew from the ground, ha- has, no, has also lost the confidence of the public due to the way it's conducted, um, the registration exercise, which is perceived as having been conducted in a skewed manner. Procurement of important uh, electoral materials has been uh, corrupted. Um, So, uh, again, uh, there is a lack of trust in, in the possible outcome of the next elections, and it's not helped by the... By the plans of government to uh, criminalise free speech, to prevent the media from reporting independently on the results of the election, etc. So, uh, just today, uh, I think I read in the paper that uh, there 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 will be there will be an attempt to to um, sort of quell any possible dissent, making it illegal, for example, to not accept the results of the elections, etc. Now, whether these plans will come to fruition is another issue, but the fact that these uh, plans and projects are there shows that the attitude, uh, the official attitude is, is, an, is, is a very uh, dictatorial one. Rather than responding to people's concerns... and and showing them that efforts are being made despite all the constraints to hold free and fair and credible elections. The opposite seems to be the case, that uh, preparations are being made to quell any sort of dissent.
0: You are listening to Talking Africa on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned.
1: Uh, welcome back to uh, Talking Africa. My guest today is Gladwell Otieno, the founder and executive director of the Africa Center for Open Governance in Nairobi. I'm talking about uh, government trying to ensure the Kenyan government trying to ensure that it will remain in power. That's what people said about the Gambia, but the people voted Jame out of power, and he accepted initially until they said he was going to be arrested. I mean, you can understand his position when he was threatened with arrest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, you should, don't you have any hopes for well, that sort of outcome in, uh, in, in Kenya?
2: Well, one always has hope, uh, and obviously we're doing everything we can to make sure that uh, uh, that dialogue is happening about uh, the political problems which, uh, which may prevent uh, free and fair elections. Because in the view of, of AFRICOG and our colleagues, in, in civil society, who are sort of like minded organizations. The, the problems aren't so much the technical processes, which can always, of course, be manipulated, uh, but the problems are political, the problems are the reluctance to have dialogue. And bring people together around the table to address the issues and to agree on commonly you know acceptable ways of of, of addressing the massive problems that that uh, dog the election even only five months to the to the next election we 're way behind time in terms of the timelines and preparations that need to be made um, in in advance of the election. So we're not giving up hope, certainly, but we're extremely uh, concerned about the way that the uh, electoral management body is, is conducting itself and conducting the processes such as mass voter registration. We're concerned about the Questions left open by the Supreme Court decision on how the votes will be counted, which votes will be counted, uh, the, uh, what cons- constitutes a valid register. All of these questions are not settled five months to the to the elections, and this is of concern to us.
1: Yeah, but this is the role of uh, civil society. I mean, mm-hmm. aren't you in a position to take up these issues and to e- uh, educate the people themselves? I mean, the governments wouldn't do it, so mm-hmm. you might as well educate people about their their role in a democratic election
2: well uh obviously the government has an interest in maintaining power as you say and there's a certain intransigence and uh and uh a lack of readiness to to persuade to negotiate uh, you know, to compromise. Uh, it, this is a very intransigent uh, government which is intent on pushing things through in its own way. Indip- institutions which should be independent, such as the Electoral Commission, are compromised. Um, just It's just now that they're having their the commissioners are being uh, chosen anew uh, due to, you know, um, negotiations between... Uh, the you know public concerns about the the f- former commissioners and finally the the government acquiescing to to having that change happen, this is very very late, and some of the people being chosen have not passed we would say the constitutional standards of integrity in in leadership so while it 's Civil society can advocate, it can mobilize. It doesn't have the power to actually change things. The civil society only has a soft power. And the skepticism isn't just in civil society. It's in the, in the groups and the regions that support the, the opposition. Um, so so there's, a, there's a lot of ferment and anxiety about... Uh, and the resulting skepticism or voter apathy... So there's the danger that people will just opt out of elections and simply make, perhaps focus on the local level, the county-level uh, elections.
1: So what you more or less say is that uh, international observers monitoring the elections will not make any difference.
2: They rarely do. The international observers come in at the very end of the process uh, when everything has already happened. For example, the registration exercise... Uh, is already it, it seems uh, skewed in favour of certain regions which in itself that in and of itself is going to have an influence on the on the outcome um, we don 't count much on international observers to be able to really be uh, very trenchant and clear in their message about the elections because they have other concerns. They they have the concerns that Kenya is an important ally in the region in terms of security. So we've seen democracy being put on the back burner in favor of uh, concerns about security and and obviously concerns about uh, you know uh, the economic side of things uh, in view of the competition from China. So um, we don't really expect very much from international observers after our experiences in 2013.
1: Yes, you're right, because Kenya is not Sudan. Kenya is not Gambia. Kenya is a very, very important country for Western governments who, Mm -hmm. more or less in Africa, pay lip service to the, the democratic process.
2: That's certainly true uh, if you uh, remember some Western governments were very vocal about how if two ICC sub- suspects were 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 to come into power that they would follow a policy of uh, minimum contacts uh, well that certainly didn't last and um, you could see that the government took a certain relish in attending high-level events where you know they were basically saying oh so you said you wouldn't have any contacts with us well here we are or when Obama came to, to Kenya, and uh, William Ruto, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who, who I think uh, the idea had been that he wasn't going to be part of the, the welcoming delegation, mm-hmm. he was very clearly there and uh, very firmly shook Obama's hand. So this, this visit uh, really was a demonstration of the defeat of that uh, idea, however well-developed it had been or not of of minimal contact.
1: Yeah, because I mean, African leaders are very much aware mm-hmm. of their own strength in dealing with the West. Some countries can get away with literally murder, while others can't. And of course, Kenya is one of those countries that uh, are very, very crucial to uh, Western security, Western defence. So yeah, yeah.
2: what they that's what they've learned basically. Mm-hmm. They can get away with murder, mm-hmm. uh, and and not expect uh, a very spirited. Uh, you know r- response from uh, from the from the Western countries which were uh, you know supposed to be the the champions of uh, democracy, even though I think they were the only ones who believed that, but now in the new era, of course, with the advent of the likes of uh, Donald Trump to power, uh, all of them you know we 've all basically been reduced to the same level
1: but I mean. What would you say to ordinary Kenyans? I mean they should still go out and vote. I mean if the people vote for the opposition in an o- overwhelming manner, how can the uh, electoral commission manipulate the figures?
2: Well, they can do it for example, by doing what is now seem to be seeming to be intended by criminalising dissent, by monopolising information, particularly information on the results uh so uh and 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 cloaking the procedures of the of the election um, in, in obscurity so that people do not see what is happening from one stage to the next. Uh, the, same, the problems that arose in 2007 were the same problems that arose in 2013 and will probably arise again in terms of the tallying of the vote and, and uh, the role that the Electoral Commission takes on, which is completely illegit- illegitimate in law of, of changing results along the way and and, and, uh, and actually not just announcing the result and handing over the certificate to the winner, but actually counting the results again. So, uh, the, the results are supposed to be final at the level of the polling station and should not be changed except by a court of law. But uh, that process has been thoroughly contaminated. So uh, I, it seems to me that it would be very easy to manipulate the elections by simply doing what was done before again.
1: Well, I mean, if you have... Uh Officials of the various parties at the uh, counting uh, stations; yeah. they, they should be able to monitor the uh, the results.
2: Well, in the best of all possible worlds, but in my uh, experience, the um, the agents are doing it simply for money. They're not committed, most of them, uh, and um, they they simply either a aren't trained, aren't committed, are easily bought because. They're basically, you know, very, you know, desperate. But, uh, so we don't have effective monitoring by party agents, except I, th- I found that in my experience, the, the um, uh, you know, ruling, the, the government agents were a lot more committed mm. and a lot, and they seemed to be able to mobilize more professional people to do So, so what you're saying,
1: things are looking too good for August...
2: No, they're they're not. There's a lot of concern uh, about uh, all the various aspects which have been of concern over the years. The role of the security sector, will it be partisan and and come down, um, you know, in an unevenly harsh manner on opposition strongholds? The role of the uh, Electoral Commission, does it have the guts to stand up? to to the people in power, that is highly questionable. Um, Its processes are already uh, um, in public question, the way that procurement is conducted, the fact that the law has been perverted to undermine uh, the reforms that were done before um, in terms of trying to make the process a lot more a lot stronger and a lot more resistant to manipulation. Uh, changes to the law recently have allowed the electoral commission basically to to make away with uh, with electoral ele- electronic transmission, which was supposed to be a control of the whole uh, vote and and conduct the vote in a manual. Uh, fashion. Um, in the end, any, any process is open to, to compromise and corruption, depending on the intentions of the people who are conducting that process.
1: One of the reasons why President Jamilos was that there was just one opposition mm. uh, candidate against him. What's the situation in, in Kenya?
2: This is of major concern. The, the opposition has formed an, a coalition, but they have not yet uh, named their candidate. candidate 5 5 months to the elections that's uh, you know that's a major failure on their part and this this um this failure to unite has always undone the opposition in the past that's why it took that's why moy president moy was able to stay in power for uh, 24 years or for the quarter century that he was in power because the opposition wouldn't Unite behind a single candidate, and uh, it's looking also very questionable now whether they will actually be able to do that. And obviously, the the um, the party of the president is doing all it can to, you know, seduce away uh, uh, people from the from the opposition and, and and scuttle the chances of the opposition of of putting up a united front.
1: So what you're saying is that uh, uh, President uh, Kenyatta will serve. Another term, a final term. So the opposition should now look forward to the next elections when there's a, an open field.
2: Well, um, it's it's always likely an, an incumbent president has a high chance of returning to power, even if all other things were equal and, equal and things were done in a clean manner, transparent, etc. The incumbent has a, a has a, a big advantage. Um, but uh, I think the, the opposition is definitely, uh, you know, has not been very well organized, has not been very strategic. And um, given the, the readiness of the, of the government to use the instruments of power in order to push through the result that it wants in the first round... Um, because we do have a two-round election a- election system. But I think the, that, you know, we're not going to go into a second round and that the president is very likely to, <laughs> to return to power. But you never know. I may be wrong. Um, but let's remember also that all this uh, whole collection of politicians have been with us for a very long time, and they've worked together with each other in very different, you know, varying combinations – so I, th- I would hope that by the next elections that we would have had a chance to have some renewal yes. and to have n- uh, new people coming in. And indeed, in terms of age, this generation is, is uh, you know, some of them will not be around by the, <laughs> by the next elections.
1: Gladwell Otenio, founder, direct- founder and executive director of the Africa Center for Open Governance. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Africa and ALC Pan African Radio. For these and other programs, please visit our website at ALCPANAFRICANRADIO.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center. For feedback on these and other programs, please send an email to info at AfricanRadio.com.